You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hey, it's Vadim doing a quick solo episode today on the importance of finishing projects and also to give you guys a technique and a tool to help you finish more projects more efficiently. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a a goal setting technique called SMART goals. And there is a template that we've made that goes along with this that you can use to create your own SMART goals. You can get that template for free at resources.diyrecordingguys.com forward slash goal. That's resources.diyrecordingguys.com forward slash G-O-A-L. First, a little cautionary tale. I think I've actually done this before on the podcast, but I'm recording this now for the second time. The first recording I did was unusable because I guess just to back up a little bit about my setup here, I'm running basically kind of a two interface setup. I have a uh, a four channel preamp that has analog to digital converters in it already. So my microphone is connected to one of the channels, one of the preamp channels. That signal goes through the preamp, it then gets converted to digital. And then I have an ADAT connection, which is a digital connection from this interface to a second interface that actually connects to my computer through a USB. I'm not going to get into the details of why I have it set up this way. But an important part of a setup like this, when you have two digital devices in a system, those devices need to agree on sample rate. So in other words, if one digital device is providing information at let's say 44,100 samples per second, which is 44.1 kilohertz, then the other device needs to be scanning for information, so to speak, at that same sample rate. And furthermore, these devices have what's called clocks. It's basically the, what's like a clock? Yeah, it it times those samples, so those 44,100 Uh, samples per second in a 44.1 kilohertz system. The clock kind of tells you when to take those sample points and keeps the digital device honest. Well, if you have two digital devices, those clocks need to be synced as well. So if you have multiple digital devices connected together, you can point all of them to one clock, which is what you should be doing. So in this case, for example, I want to point my, uh, my interface to my preamps clock and say, look, whatever this this guy's giving you, whatever this preamp is, is spitting out, I want you to look at its clock and match it. And then my sample rates need to be set correctly as well. And what happened was I had uh, recorded the podcast using 44,100 samples per second, but damn Ben and his name, he's convinced me to use 48 kilohertz for uh, recording sessions. And so I was I had been working on a session, so my my mic preamp was set to 48 kilohertz, whereas my session in my DAW was set up for 44.1 kilohertz. 
So I had this mismatch and I got this crazy distortion. I'll show you what it sounds like. Hey, it's Vadim doing a quick solo episode today on the importance of finishing projects and also to give you guys a tool on how to finish more projects. Terrible, right? So I had this crazy distortion, so now I'm re-recording this, much to my chagrin. All right, so today we are talking about finishing projects. And I want to start by talking a little bit about why it's so important to finish projects. Because this sounds trivial, right? Well, of course, we want to finish projects. This is why we're doing this. That's why we want to learn about recording is so we can finish projects. But it's not trivial. And I think most of us probably have a whole stack of song ideas that we're sitting on that at one point we were excited about. We thought there would be great songs, but now the enthusiasm has kind of faded and they're buried somewhere in our notebooks and on our cell phones. And those ideas may never become songs. I'm certainly guilty of this. I got a bunch of ideas that may never become songs, even though I was really excited about them at one point or another, which is a problem in and of itself. But the importance of finishing projects actually extends even beyond that. And I want to give you a couple of reasons why. Number one, we've all heard this adage that you know anything you do is, is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And I've not seen the peer-reviewed studies on whether that split is correct or not. But the point is this. The perspiration part is the part where you're getting better. Okay, it's the part where you're rolling up your sleeves, where you're dialing in tones, where you're trying to re- get a recording done and you're troubleshooting your noisy cable or whatever, those are the experiences that push you forward and make you better. So just by virtue of quote-unquote finishing or working towards finishing a project, you will be getting better. You will be contributing to that kind of 10,000-hour rule where uh, that suggests that um, you know, 10,000 hours is kind of the threshold for achieving expertise that's based on um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, came up with that concept. I'm not sure if he came up with it or he just talked about it. Uh, but from the book uh, The Outliers, if you're interested, it's a wonderful book. Number two, there is a mental effect that is hard to understand. I'm not really sure I fully understand why this happens, but I've experienced it myself many times. It's a mental effect of putting a bow on something finishing it, calling it complete, that for some reason allows for an instantaneous step change improvement in your skills, okay? In that moment of calling a project complete, this weird thing happens where you aggregate all of a sudden all the things you've learned throughout that project and kind of downloaded it into the firmware of your brain. I can't explain it, but if you finish the project, you probably know what I'm talking about. This feeling that, okay, this one is done, it's behind me, dust my hands off, and now you know exactly what you're going to do differently on the next one to get that next one to be even better. And you don't get this same effect by taking a project to 90%, okay? I don't know exactly why, but you just don't, okay? You have to finish it, and you have to be able to reflect on the finished product in order to really drive yourself forward. You don't have to take my word for it, but just try it. Finish a song and see how you feel about your skill level once you finish that song. 
Number three is as you're working on a project, you may be working with ideas and recordings that you created months ago or maybe even years ago. Okay, so there's only so much you can do with that source material because you created it when your skill level was below where it is now. So you're kind of going through this process and maybe at certain stages, like at mixing, for example, you might have to be uh, using various techniques to correct for issues you had when you recorded it or when you wrote it or whatever the case may be. It's not until you finish that project and reflect on those processes that you can apply those learnings to your next project and say, okay, well, I'm going to record it better next time. I'm going to do a couple of things differently. This happened to me recently on a project I recorded uh, guitars for, and I was really happy with the guitar tones I got. But through the course of finishing the mix, I realized that I had to do some EQ moves that were correcting for the way I recorded the guitar tone. And it wasn't until I was able to finish that and reflect on it and say, well, I ended up with a good guitar tone, but I had to kind of do some corrective work to get there. Now I know exactly what I'm going to do next time when I'm recording guitars for a similar project to avoid that problem. Another reason is that being consistent is not just the key to self-improvement. That's kind of how we're talking about it here so far. It also builds discipline, which is good. We want some discipline in our lives. But finally, it lets us get enough music out there to start building traction. Whatever your reasons are for releasing music, consistency is key in today's world. So whether you're trying to stay in touch with your existing fans, find new fans, attract labels, or even work within the infamous algorithms, consistency is going to be key in every aspect here. So we want to be, we want to have systems in place that let us finish music consistently. Okay, no question about that. Okay, we understand a little bit about why it's important to finish projects. Let's talk about why it's so hard to finish projects. Well, the first thing is that we've already mentioned, you know, 99% of the process is perspiration. So yes, it's going to take a lot of work. Specifically, if we get into details, there are a lot of steps involved. So we can kind of list them. I've just kind of made a list here off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'm even missing a couple here. But typically, this process starts with an idea. We have some idea for a song. Then we need to flesh out the rest of the song. So if you're a piano player, for example, you will need to write the chord progressions to have kind of a cohesive song, your verses, your choruses, intros, outros, whatever else. You may need to write the lyrics for the song if it's a song with vocals. Uh, you may need to arrange the other parts. So there may be other instruments. There may be a bass guitar, drums. You need to arrange those other parts. Then you need to handle the production, which is where we actually record the parts. We choose tones, choose microphones, set up the microphones, and do all that good stuff. Then there's post-production, where we may want to add little things. Let's say we want to add a little tambourine to spice something up, or we want to add background vocals because we think they'll sound really cool. Uh, then we get into the mixing. 
If you want to learn more about the mixing phase, you can listen to episode 19. That's where we really talked about uh, the, the elements of a good mix. Then, of course, mastering, which we just did uh, last week's episode on, episode 44, uh, about different mastering techniques. You may need to come up with artwork, which a lot of people DIY as well. You need to consider your publishing rights, so PROs, performing rights organizations, registering your songs, making sure you get credit and the people that work on the songs get credit appropriately. Then you need to think about distribution. There's different ways to distribute your music. Are you, for example, are you going to uh, cut vinyl? Are you going to make cassette tapes, which are in vogue now again? Are you going to just do digital distribution? Which uh, channels are you going to focus on for digital distribution? Who are you going to distribute through? And so on. Of course, we need to do some promotion for the release. And we need to have some interactions with people. So whether we're reaching out to blogs, talking to our existing fans, replying to comments, all of this stuff takes time and takes a lot of time. And of course, all of us, I'm sure, are notorious for underestimating the time that these tasks take. Even going you know, to the, as far as the studio, you say, okay, I'm allotting two hours to record everything for this song, and then it ends up taking eight hours. That is not uncommon. So we need to kind of learn how to budget our time better. I'm as guilty of this as anyone myself. All right, so there's a lot of stuff to do. And if you're like me, this can seem really intimidating. I'm somebody who gets easily intimidated by tasks or projects that have very kind of expansive scope. It's a lot of steps. Some of them we may not even be familiar with. It's intimidating. How do we get started? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story here back from my college days. When I was in college some (coughs) years ago, there was a little breakfast place called the Breakfast Nook near the university. I think it's since closed down, probably for good reason. But this was a nice place. It was was a mediocre place. (laughs) It was a very mediocre breakfast place. But if you had drank too many soda pops the night before... It was a nice place to kind of nurse a coffee and eat a couple eggs. So we used to go we used to go there. And for those of us that went there a lot, we were familiar with this off the menu item that you could order called the challenge. So if you went in there and you ordered the challenge, what would happen is they would bring you two pancakes. And before you say before you start scratching your head, These pancakes were massive. These pancakes were like the size of a 12-inch frying pan, and they were like three-quarters of an inch thick. They're actually good pancakes, really kind of nice, fluffy pancakes, but they were massive. So they would bring you two of these massive pancakes, and if you ate both of them, they would bring you a third one. And if you ate the third one, then you got a T-shirt that says, I ate it all at the breakfast nook. And... This was a really kind of coveted prize. We all wanted this t-shirt. It took a long time to even build up the courage to to attempt this after seeing so many people fail. But one day, I went in there. I was with one of my roommates and one of our friends who came in from out of town. So my roommate, he is a big guy. He's linebacker, used to putting down a lot of food. I'm like six feet tall, probably about 180 pounds at this point. And our friend, she was smaller than both of us. Okay, so we went into the three of us determined to try this challenge. 
So my roommate, he's overconfident, right? He goes in there. He's used to eating a lot of food. He gets his first two pancakes and he slathers them up with butter and syrup and he starts enjoying himself. And he gets through the first one. He's very satisfied. And he's halfway through the second one. He starts getting a little full. He finishes the second one and burns out on the third one. Okay, he fizzles out. My strategy was a little different. I, I was worried. I knew that I probably didn't have what it took to finish these three pancakes. And I wasn't there to enjoy myself. I was there to accept the challenge. So I took my first pancake and just kind of crumpled it up and just tried to eat the whole thing as fast as I could and drink some water and get onto the next one and do the same thing with the next one. And all of that pancake batter just started expanding in my stomach and basically I burnt out as well. Our friend, she had a better strategy, okay? What she did was she cut both of her first two pancakes into very, very small pieces to save on chewing energy and time. And then she proceeded to just methodically and slowly work her way through these little pieces. And she struggled on the third one, as was expected, but she got through it. To this day, she's the only person I know that has an I ate it all at the Breakfast Nook t-shirt. So what does this have to do with recording? Well, there's a moral to this story. It's a true story, by the way. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't embellish any of this to fit the narrative of this episode. This is actually exactly how it happened. But the moral is that my friend, my roommate's approach was very much a luxurious one. He wasn't filled with a sense of urgency. He was kind of enjoying himself and taking his time on this quote-unquote project. And he lost momentum. He never really built up momentum and he never really had a plan. He was just kind of having a good time and that didn't serve him well. My strategy was the opposite. I wasn't having a good time at all. I just wanted to put myself through as much pain as quickly as I could and kind of just plow my way through it. And I burnt out as well. The only strategy that worked was the strategy of cutting a big thing, this literally a big thing, into a lot of little pieces and then being methodical about going through those pieces. And this is where we're going to get into how to finish projects. And the technique and tool I want to talk about is something called smart goal technique. This is something I picked up working in the corporate world. It's a very commonly used goal setting tool in the corporate world. And I found it to be so effective that I've, I've been applying it to really every aspect of my life, even, even beyond music. I mean, I've certainly used it for music as well, but I use it even on things like home projects. In fact, recently I kind of embarked on a new home project, which was intimidating to me. And I use this technique to, to build out a schedule and um, get something that I can work with. So I've been, I've been working through that. I very commonly use this in every aspect of my life. And I've also created a template. If you'd like a copy of the template, just go to resources.diyrecordingguys.com forward slash goal. That's resources.diyrecordingguys.com forward slash G-O-A-L. And you'll be able to download it. 
you can use that template uh, again, for your music projects, but really for anything. So the, the concept of a SMART goal, the, the word SMART there is an acronym, which we're going to go through. The The process at a high level, though, is basically a five-step process. So in step one, we're going to create our high-level SMART goal. And there's a worksheet in the template for this. Step two is we're going to test our SMART goal against the SMART criteria and revise it if necessary. And this is very important. Not all goals are equal. We want to set the right type of goal. Step three is we're going to break that high-level goal up into intermediate steps. So this is um, where we start kind of this subdivision process. And step four, we're going to take those intermediate steps and break them down even further into weekly and daily tasks that we can complete. And then step five is execute. We just execute by following the plan that we've developed. And this creating this plan, as you'll see, we'll go through an example here. It does take some time, but it's incredibly empowering. And hopefully you'll start to get a sense for why. So step one, create our goal. And this is where we get into, you know, not all goals are equal. So I'll give you an example here. My goal might be to release an EP sometime next year. Well, let's even simplify. Let's just say, I'm going to release music next year. Okay, that seems like a goal. But is it a good goal? As opposed to this. Listen to how uh, different this sounds. By February 3rd, 2021, I will have a two-song EP available for streaming on at least two music streaming services. Okay, on its surface... It's a similar goal because in both cases, we're saying we're going to have music released next year. But the second version obviously is a lot more specific. And this is where we get into our smart check. So the first thing is we're going to come up with a sentence. You can come up with any sentence you want, and then we're going to verify whether we have a good goal or not by using this smart check. So smart, as I said, is an acronym. The S stands for specific. So how specific is our goal? So like a good example is, you know, I will have two songs available for streaming on Spotify. That's pretty specific. A bad example is I will release music. Not so specific, right? So we want to make sure that our goal is specific the way we worded it. The M stands for measurable. And this is very simply, how will you know when you have reached your goal? Okay. Is it clear? Or is it kind of nebulous and it's it's uh, up to your discretion when the goal is complete? We don't want something that's up to your discretion. We want to have something that's well-defined enough to be measured. The A is attainable. So is your goal realistic? So I said I'm going to release two songs next week. That might not be realistic. There's too many things to do in between. And this one, we want to be a little bit aggressive on. We do want to push ourselves a little bit. But if we find that our goal is not attainable, that doesn't mean we necessarily have to give it up. It just means we have to think about the hurdles, what is called the why hurdles. Why can't we meet our goal? Why is it not attainable? And then we can come up with smart goals to remove those hurdles. So, for example, if I said I want to release music uh, release two songs in February 2021, but I don't have 
a, a uh, digital audio workstation and I don't know how to use one, well, okay, I need to be careful there. But maybe that's one of my hurdles. Maybe I can come up with a smart goal just for selecting a digital audio workstation and learning how to use it. Maybe I'm going to do some uh, tutorial or some classes or something like that. So we can break up any goals that are not attainable into smaller goals that are attainable. The R in SMART is for relevant. This one's very important. Does your goal align with your values and your higher level life goals? So for example, you may think it would be really cool to learn Spanish, but if that is not relevant to your five-year plan or whatever, right? Maybe it's not the most relevant thing. Then you need to think about how much time you want to devote to it because realistically, everything has everything we do has an opportunity cost, right? We're spending time on one thing. It means we can't spend time on another thing. So another example music-wise is this one is kind of relevant to me. I enjoy making you know instrumental beats from time to time. And it's something I used to do more. But I've realized that it's not really in line with my music career. And it's not really in line with what I want to be focused on over the next 10 years. So now I do that a lot more sparingly, even though I do find it something that's very fun to do. And the T in SMART is timed. This one's easy. Does your goal include a firm end date? Right. So in our first example, we said next year we would release music. That's not a firm end date. But in the second example I gave of the goal statement, I said by February 3rd, 2021. All right. And that is timed. That is a very specific end date. So very simply, if I wake up on February 3rd, 2021, and I have two songs available for streaming on at least two music streaming services, I know I will have met my goal. So that's kind of the goal description we're going to be uh, working with in this template. So that's our goal. Okay, very good. Now we're going to get into the intermediate steps. The intermediate steps, what has to happen? What are the milestones that need to happen for me to reach this goal? And it's a lot of the things that I already talked about when we talked about why it's so difficult to finish songs. So here's just a couple of uh, quick rehashed examples. So step one might be I need to finish the song arrangements for my two song EP. Step two, I need to record all of the instruments. Step three, I may need to choose tones and do the editing. Step four, I need to mix the songs. Step five, I need to master the songs. Step six, I need to create album art. Step seven, I need to release the songs for digital distribution. So this is just an example. Obviously, this is uh, missing a couple steps there. But the idea is these are kind of the higher level milestones. We're going to call these our intermediate steps. Then we get into finally the, the nitty gritty planning here, which is we're going to use a tool called a Gantt chart. If you're not familiar with a Gantt chart, basically picture a table where the first column is our tasks. It's like a task list or a checklist. And then the subsequent columns over to the right, each column represents a day or a week or however you want to break it up. In this case, we're doing uh, uh, days. So I take, for example, my first intermediate step, which is finish song arrangements. And that shows up on my Gantt chart. And then I'm going to break that intermediate step, 
finished song arrangements down into the kind of more day-to-day tasks that need to happen. And again, these are just examples, but I'm going to say, let's say one of them is I need to finish all of the guitar parts. I need to finish writing the guitar parts. Uh, Two is I need to create drum tracks. Three is I need to write the bass parts. And then four, I need to write the lyrics and so on and so on and so on. And for each of these tasks, each of these specific tasks, I'm going to just highlight the days on which I'm going to do them. So for example, maybe week one of my goal, uh, uh, my goal timeline, I'm going to take Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday just to finish writing all of the guitar parts. So I'm going to fill in those three blocks for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of week one. I'm going to fill those blocks into my uh, finish all guitar parts row. And this is where we need to be a little bit kind of careful. I like to lay out a couple of guidelines for how do you know your tasks are um, not too finely chewed, but also not too broad. And so I'll give you a couple of guidelines that, that I like to use. I try to limit myself, my schedule to where I have to do no more than three tasks per day. And I'm actually going to say, let's do two tasks per day, no more than two tasks per day, which means if I look at any column of any day, I shouldn't have more than two things that I need to do. Okay. On any given day, because realistically we're all busy. We all got a ton of stuff we need to be doing. So we don't want to overburden ourselves and then get frustrated because we're not meeting our goals. All right. Another guideline is we we should make sure that our rows, our actual task list, does not include anything that cannot be completed in three days or less. So if it's a task, like if we, you know, if we have create drum tracks and we think that's actually gonna take uh, longer than three days, then we then we should break it up into two separate rows. One, maybe create drum tracks for track one, and then create drum tracks for uh, song two, right? And in this way, again, we, we just don't want to have big nebulous uh, tasks on a task list because it's going to defeat the purpose of this exercise. So try to limit each row in your sheet to something that can be completed in three days or less. If you're confused about what this looks like visually, I'm actually looking at the template now. That's going to help you understand this a lot. So in the show notes, you'll see a link to uh, to the actual template. You can download it, and this will all make more sense. So that's for intermediate goal one, finish song arrangements. We do the same thing then for intermediate goal two, which is record all instruments. Again, we're just going to break this down into maybe we want to record guitars one day, record bass, record whatever we're going to record. Okay, and we can insert and copy rows here as necessary. And so slowly you're starting to see what we're doing here. We're starting to build out a schedule. This is really going to look like a project schedule. And you can probably get a sense that this exercise is going to take some time. It is. It is not like a 30-minute exercise. You're going to have to sit down and really think through what are all the steps. And then you're also going to have to reconcile this with your life schedule, right? Make sure you... If you said you were going to write bass lines on Tuesday, but Tuesday you have meetings or classes or whatever all day, then you need to reconcile this schedule with your uh, personal, personal calendar. But once we go through this, we have an amazingly powerful tool. And you will feel, I guarantee you will feel a weight lifted off of your shoulders. Because the beauty of this is that once you have the schedule set up, you wake up in the morning, all you have to do is look 
at your calendar and see the two things you need to do that day. There's only two things you'll need to do that day and they should be small enough tasks to where they don't seem intimidating. Even if it's something like, okay, I need to learn how to use my new interface. Fine, if that's the thing you have to do that day, you just watch a couple of YouTube videos and you'll feel good. You'll feel like you're on track for your project, which is an amazing feeling, especially, if, again, if you're somebody like me who gets easily intimidated by large scope tasks. So on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, I assume probably everybody has some kind of task management tool, whether you're scribbling stuff on a post-it of your, the things you need to do that day, whether you're using a planner or some kind of app. In any case, you need to look at your smart goal calendar and add your daily tasks to your daily task list. Okay, That's what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. On a week-to-week basis, so every week maybe on the weekend, I like to do this on Sundays, but you can choose whatever day works for you. Every week when I have a, a smart goal that I'm working on, I like to check how I'm doing against my Gantt chart. Am I on track? Things definitely change from time to time. Emergencies pop up. We get busy. That's okay. I mean, we want to, again, we want to be aggressive. We don't want to just watch Netflix all the time. We want to try to meet these goals. But things do change, and we can adjust our calendar accordingly. And then when you're done, you should have completed your SMART goal. You can start your next one. Think about your high-level goals again, and think about what you want to focus on next. From a music standpoint, you know, this might be what's the next thing for your recording studio at your home, right? What's kind of the next big ticket item you need to work on? Maybe you need to work on acoustic insulation or something like that. So you build out another smart goal and you start the process over. And like I said, this process seems trivial in a sense, but it's very, very powerful. And I've kind of demonstrated this to myself time after time. So check out the show notes. You'll be able to download the template, and I encourage you to use this. And if you struggle with it, you can email me, vadim, V-A-D-I-M, at DIYrecordingguys.com. Tell me what your SMART goals are. I really want to know, what are you working on? What's the big challenge that you're going to be resolving? Is it releasing music? Is it fixing up your studio? Is it finding a band to play with? You can make anything a smart goal. I guarantee it. If you <laughs> if you find something that can't be a smart goal, email me. We'll see if we can make it a smart goal together. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful. I hope it was twice as helpful as you thought it was going to be because I've recorded the episode twice, as I mentioned already. And until next time, I remind you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com and you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio 
or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. We'll see you next week.